Perimeter Church podcast. Israel has escaped Egypt. The euphoria of the miraculous escape has been replaced with the reality of day-to-day existence. And then comes the first attack. We come to Christ. The euphoria of our deliverance from sin has been replaced with the reality of day-to-day existence. The attack is coming and will keep coming, but how do we win? Lead teacher Randy Pope brings us this message entitled Winning Spiritual Battles, which covers Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and let's ask God to teach us now. Our Father in heaven, as we uh, break open your word again this morning, we ask that we might be fed by you from your truth. We pray that you would grant us deep understanding of your word that you would let us know the truth that we might find that truth setting us free we pray all to the end that you might be honored more in and through our lives and we ask this in the name of our great savior jesus amen i think if you have lived life long if you're a young adult upward i'm sure you would agree with these statements number one that life is a battle And that the world in which we live, it is a battlefield. I have a a good friend, friend in ministry. Uh, I admire this man, uh, his uh, heart, his passion, his life. Been ministering and faithful to the gospel for years. He has two grown adult children, one of which just got married, a daughter, about a year ago. And she announced just recently that her husband had deserted her. Totally, uh, I just won't go into the details, but you, you understand. It was no time after that, just recently, that their other child, their son, adult son who had been walking so faithful with the Lord for years, had been missional in his life and so forth, but who battled depression through his life, took his own life. You talk to that pastor and say, do you think life is a battle? What do you think he's going to say? Absolutely, life is a battle. And in fact, the world in which we live, it is a battlefield. It really is. Now, here's the question for those of us who are Christians. As Christians, we have to ask ourselves this question. Yeah, I'm going through battles, and I believe this world is a battlefield. But here's the question. Is it a natural battle? Or is it a supernatural battle? Now, the Christian is going to respond, if, if, if studied at all in the Word of God, I, I'm sure that the answer would be, oh, oh it, it's supernatural. It, it's a supernatural battle. But here's the question we then have to ask ourselves, all right, if we're in a supernatural battle, Are we fighting that battle in a natural way or are we fighting the battle in a supernatural way? I'm a part of a group of pastors that have been meeting now for, oh, I don't know, 25, six years. I don't know how many years. Every January, we meet together in Orlando, Florida, the same 15 or so of us called together by two men, the two men who are my mentors Frank Barker and Jim Baird still do it to this year. We'll do it again this January. Last January, we're all together. We're talking, and Jim Baird is moderating the meeting to all of us young pastors. 
Now here we are at the end of our careers, these two men well into their 80s. And Jim says, I want to ask you guys, you've been around a long time in ministry. Let us share our stories of encounters with the supernatural. I will assure you every person would have loved to be listening that day and hear those stories. Maybe some of you wouldn't because it might have been frightening. But I'll tell you, at the end of the the stories that were told, man, everybody's sitting there saying, does anybody here question at all that this is a supernatural battle in which we are fighting every single day? We all agree. It's supernatural. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Let me just throw it up. Just quickly, familiar to most of you, but it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness. Now, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 10, is relating a number of Old Testament stories. And at the end of that, this is what he says. He says, These things happened to them, the Old Testament people, as an example And they were written for our instruction. It's saying that we have episode stories in the Old Testament that were written so that we might gain insight through what we read about the Israelites and apply it to our own spiritual lives and even the battles in which we live. Typical battles that you and I are having, loving spouses, very difficult from time to time for some. Maybe the battle for some of us is maybe anxiety or depression. Maybe it's sexual temptation. Maybe it's temper. Maybe it's addictions. I don't care what it is. These are our battles. We're fighting them every single day. Now you tell me this. How do you think, how do you think Christians battle against those things? You think most Christians battle in a supernatural way? I don't. I would assume, and and I'm grieved to say, I would assume that there would be a large, large number of us here as Christians. As we face our battles, we're going to fight as hard as we can fight. We're going to give it everything we've got, but we love our Jesus. And we're going to fight in a natural way. I tell you, we're not going to win. We may feel good about our fight, but we won't like the outcome. And if we really understood, we'd be saying, I don't even like the way I fought. I think where we're about to go in our text and the series that we'll be following this is going to be potentially a game changer for many of us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. Chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. It's been intentioned for quite a long time that Bob would preach last week and would set up a series that I'm about to teach. It was my intent this week to use this text to set up the series I'm about to start. This is a series in the book 
of Romans chapter 6 and 7. To me, I think one of the most important series that we will ever have in this church, and I say that not because I do think every series is most important. I better believe that when I get to it. But this is the, this is the broader text out of which I've said before, every time I go to preach, every time I go to preach in another church that I've never preached in, unless they've given me some specific instruction otherwise, I'm going to preach out of Romans chapter 6. Many of you know I have a commitment here. I've had it from the beginning of the church that every five years I would teach through Romans 1 through Romans chapter 8. I've done that faithfully through the years. We're a little behind in this five-year period. But it's been my intention to teach that very important subject matter. However, because of some things that uh, just had to happen and some situations I won't go into, uh, we're not going to be able to start the series as I had planned, and so we've had to make a shift. And in doing so, we're going to parenthesis and going to put David McNeely uh, teaching a three-part series beginning next week. I know no one's disappointed when they hear David's preaching. It's a, always people love David, but uh, just a situation not even worth going into. But, but uh, we're going to have to put a pause on this series. I will pick it up later in the fall, this fall. We'll pick it up and continue. So I am prepared now in this text. I'm going to teach it. I want you to keep mindful of the teaching of this text. And then when we get to the series, you're going to see how it marries. Here's the big truth of Ephesians 6 that this historical setting of Exodus is going to illustrate so beautifully. The truth is this, hear it carefully, you and I cannot win our battles. You hear that? We cannot win our battles. If you and I as Christians believe that we can win our battles by just fighting hard, using old willpower, and we can fight against our situations, If I don't love my wife, if I don't love my husband, if I don't have the uh, peace I need in my mind, if I don't have whatever it is, I'll figure a way. I'll just fight till I get it. I'll be obedient one way or the other. And Christians have to learn this. It's the biggest lesson. I cannot win any of my battles. I cannot do it. Put it another way. I cannot change me. I cannot change me. And I know the, the way of the, the modern church today is all different. It's saying, oh, you teach us a good counseling session on how to be different and how to change and use the Bible particularly, and I'll be better, and I'll be better, and I can work harder, and I'll do what you tell me to do, and I'll be encouraged, and I'll be motivated, and I'll do it. Not right. It's the wrong approach, the absolute wrong approach. It all has to do with what God does And what he has done that enables me to become a different person and to win spiritual battles. It all goes back to this thing we call the gospel. I loved how Bob preached. I came up to Bob after I said, that's one of the best sermons I've heard. You fed my soul deeply last week. My goodness gracious. Here's how, if you missed it, or even if you were here, a reminder, here's how he defined the gospel. Great definition. Good news, that's what gospel means, good news, but it's the good news of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the reign of Jesus. 
That's the gospel. Not just his death, but the whole life, death, resurrection, and now the present reign of Jesus. I'm going to quote Bob. This is what he said. He says, for me, and this is as he says, I have to preach the gospel to myself in the midst of my challenges and temptations. He says, for me, he, Christ, lived, he died, and was raised again. For me, he reigns and pleads his blood. In referring to a temptation that he was faced, he didn't identify the temptation. He shared with me what it was, and it was bad. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know he did things like that. But anyway, <laughs> not really. This is what he said, by faith, I will say no and will choose to be satisfied with Jesus. Our text is a picture and it represents a trust that's required in the battles that we face. Our text is going to be that of Moses. Many of you know the story where his hands are lifted up as they fight. The Israelites fight. As the hands fall down, they find defeat. As the hands are raised back up, there's victory. As the hands fall down, there's defeat. This, perhaps, is a spiritual representation of the battle that we have with the flesh found in Galatians chapter 5. And I say that perhaps because we don't know. We can't get into the heart, mind, and understanding of Moses at that time. Good biblical teaching always goes to the text and it brings out what the author is trying to say and what's meant by God to be understood through that text. I know this in Galatians 5, it does say that the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And I'll say at least this much, that our text we're looking at now, which won't take long to look at, but this text is a great illustration, if not a true representation of the battle that you and I have with this thing called the flesh. Three important truths. Let's follow these, and I think we'll come out of here with a big picture understanding. Then I'll teach the detail when we come to the book of of Romans. Number one of three truths found in our text. First, responsible positions must be taken for battle. We're going to see the significance of a people called Amalek. Let's read verse 8. And verse 8 says this. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. Now, Amalek, very important to understand. Uh, Many of you know the story of Abraham, the forefather, the father of our faith, as we call it. Abraham, he had Isaac, and then there was Jacob and Esau. And Jacob steals the birthright, and the people of God flow down through Jacob. Esau turns away from God and his lineage become literally the enemies of the people of God. There's a fight through history, the fight's going on, you read about it in the papers every day, I won't go into it, but here you have two two lineages. It's interesting that this person that we're talking about here, Amalek, is the grandson of Esau. And Amalek becomes almost a picture of the people against the things the ways, the person of God. So very important to understand who Amalek is. Is this a representation of the flesh? Maybe or maybe not. But even if it's not, it's a great reminder in picture form as we read this story of what we do face in the flesh 
talked about in Galatians chapter 5. We'll see also this flesh talked about in the book of Romans. This is a definition of the flesh. It's the human nature and its ambition to be, to do, or to have anything apart from God. In the same text, verse 8, we don't see the history of it, but behind that verse 8, we have what I would call the necessity of war. And here's why they had to fight. Because the people of God, having come through the opening sea and making their way through, they're on the Sinai Peninsula. And we read in Deuteronomy 25 that they're being approached by Rephidim from the, from the back. They are literally trapped and they have to fight. Though I don't think the text is teaching this as such, but we do know this, that the flesh attacks us in such subtle ways. And we have to be prepared for that fight. No question. We see the imperative, thirdly, the imperative of the mountain. We read verses 9 and 10. It goes like this. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now the rod is a representation of God's strength. I think that's pretty obvious. The mountain. The mountain is significant because it's a picture of dependence upon God. You get the story. He says, Joshua, now you're going to have to fight. You are our people and you're leading our army. There is a fight. It's not that in you're in my fight, we don't fight. Oh yeah, we fight. But here's the thing. Moses had to go up on the mountain with her and Aaron and they were going to be asked, as we'll see in a few minutes, they had to raise their arms. There's a sense in which we understand through this teaching here that this, there's a fight to be made, but the real victory is not won by Joshua. Do you get this? The victory is won by God as Moses, Aaron, and Hur are on the mountain. So you and I can find our battles. And we're going through depression. We're going through a, an issue of, of, of anger. We're going through addiction. And what do we say? Okay, God, how do you fight? I've got to go down on the plains. I've got to fight in this, in this battlefield called life. I've got a huge battle in front of me. I've got to go fight this battle. And we go fight. As Christians, we go fight. But what we're really doing is we're, we're fighting in our own power. And we forget about this other episode that's going on simultaneously that's far away. It's not even on the battlefield. You would think it has nothing to do with the battle itself. But we get the insight here that no, 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 there is a great connection. Here's my concern for perimeter. That so many of us, we're all in battles, but so many of us are going down to the field in the name of of Christ in the name of our faith and everything else we're going to fight as Christians and we're not looking at the mountain at all it's just not a part of the fight that's what our series is going to do it's going to teach us what really is happening on the mountain and how we appropriate the power of the mountain as we're in the fields fighting the battles now with that we see kind of a, a wrap-up of that first point basically 
We must be in a proper position to fight our battles. So as Christians, we need to know these things. And this is not on the screen, but I'm going to give you four things. Here's the summary of the whole. Here's the bigger picture. Number one, the Christian life is a battle. We've already said that. All right, the Christian life is a battle. Number two, our greatest fight is against the flesh. You think your battle is against depression? No, it's not. Not really. You think your battle is loving your spouse? No, that's not really the great battle. You think the battle is overcoming some kind of addiction? That's not the real battle. The real battle is the battle with the flesh. And that's what you and I have to learn to fight. It is my call in this church over the next weeks as we teach this series that I help try to equip all of us that we learn to fight with the mountain as the major portion of the fight. It's a fight against the flesh. Thirdly, I'd suggest that we have to know that we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's Ephesians 2. Until you and I as Christians start understanding what is the implication when it says that I am seated in the heavenlies. You're seated in the heavenlies as a Christian. You're seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Tell me, when you and I go into our fights, is there any conscious thought, understanding, awareness that says I am seated in the heavenlies? What what does that mean? Except I am a victor. Why is Christ reigning today? Because he's the victor. He overcame sin and death. But then it says, but I am seated with him. What does that tell me about me? I am a victor too. If I think that I'm not a victor, that I've not really won anything, my fight's going to be a whole lot different if I go into the battle saying, I'm the winner. I know I'm the winner. All the difference in the world. And then lastly, I think what we're saying here is that we have access to God's power. And so in the book of Romans, when we get to chapter 6, we're going to see it requires an informed mind and a surrendered heart. If you can remember that, when you get into your battle, you remember, I've got to have an informed mind. There's some things I've got to know. That's what we're going to teach in Romans 6 and 7. I've got to have a surrendered heart. Put those two together, amazing what happens. Number two of our teaching points, divine power must be given for victory. Verses 11 through 13, let's read the text. Let me read verse 11. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. So we see the significance of Moses' raised hands. Again, a picture of appropriating by faith a God-given victory. Now, question this, is, it a, is this referring to prayer? I I certainly don't rule out prayer as being embodied in this ideal of raising the hands. But you know, you and I can pray, and at times even as we see David praying in the Psalms, where there was little to no dependence upon God, and then he says, oh God, and he changes his heart. We can pray, you and I can pray, in a moment where we're not depending upon God, we're crying out to God, but we're not depending upon him. I think this text goes far deeper. This is a picture of dependence upon God to win our battles. Simple as that. A dependence upon God. I love uh, 
Major Ian Thomas. Night before last, I was up late reading in this book I hadn't read for many years. And when I read what he said, I thought, oh my goodness, is this not it? Listen to what he says. Victory cannot be won by us, only received. To walk in the Spirit is to assume by faith the victory with which he credits us. You hear that? To walk in the Spirit is to assume by faith the victory with which he credits us. Christians today are losing battles against sin because we're fighting in our own strength. So this is what he says when he looks at today's view of the fight. He says, this is how we think. Try not to fulfill the lust of the flesh and then you will walk in the spirit. He said, the devil wants us to believe that because, and then he quotes, he knows that in this way he will keep us preoccupied with self instead of being preoccupied with Christ. Good preaching is getting us preoccupied with Christ. Good singing gets us preoccupied with him. Good prayer gets us preoccupied with him. You get that? It's not being preoccupied with what I must do and what I can't do and how I must do it. No. It's getting preoccupied with him. It's how we win our battles. He ends up by saying, there's nothing quite so nauseating or pathetic as the flesh trying to be holy. The battle to defeat sin was lost in Adam, but it was won by Christ when he on the cross defeated sin and death. Look at verse 12, the support of Aaron and her. We see this in verse 12. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. We all need support, do we not? Text reads on in verse 13, how they overcome the battle. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword, and the victory then is won. Boy, how we need help. By the way, you and I, as we fight, if we try to fight it alone, we're in trouble. Talking to a man the other day, we just bumped into each other at a restaurant and goes here to the church, don't know him well, and, but he made the comment. He said, I've been going to celebrate recovery. And uh, I know he didn't have a, an issue of such as an addiction to alcohol or anything, but he found it was a place to go. He said, you're talking about real people? Here are real people. They open up their heart and they say, come on in. That's in essence what he was saying. I'm with a group of men, pastors from around the country. You would know a few of their names, perhaps. We're together and we talk and we do this every year, about, uh, about uh, 10 of us or so. We were meeting this last week for three days. Done it for 20 years. I have a couple. These are two groups I meet with. This group we're meeting and somebody who talked about how, you know, there's just no, no way. It's hard to, hard to really open up and be real today. And I asked the question to these great men. I said, do you men have somebody, a group in your life that you can go to and can open up your heart and say, this is what's inside 
and I'll put aside any shame because it's a mess. And I'm going to invite you to come in and help me clean it out. Do you have a group that you can do that and be that honest with and be real with? Not one man said yes. Somebody said, do you? I said, I do. I feel like I can do that with my journey group year in and year out. And I'm thankful for the years that they've come in and just helped clean out and I'm able to share and so forth. They think that some of the stuff now I'm sharing is not so bad because it's just stuff like godless selfishness. It's stuff like pride that God hates as much as any sin that can be matched and celebrate recovery. Everybody know other kind of okay sins. Oh no. To be able to say, hey guys, you gotta pray. Here, here, here's who the real me is. Do you have that? You need it so badly. Find a group of people, men with men, women with women, that you can be real and honest with. I'm sure as Joshua was fighting, he said, Thank God for Moses, Aaron, and her, huh? So we must rely on divine power. The last of the three major insights, God's promise must be believed concerning the future. Verses 14 and 16. Number one, underneath that it says concerning the ultimate destruction of Amalek. The ultimate destruction. Look what it says in verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You know, they got to hear that and say, yay, we're going to win this battle. Amalek is going to be gone forever and ever and ever. Well, what about the flesh? Well, it's going to be gone forever and ever. No doubt about that. When? Unfortunately, not till we die or Christ comes back. But it was kind of the same thing with the promise that they were getting. The last point of your outline says concerning the present condition of war with Amalek. And this is what it says in the last verses. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Oh my goodness, that's not good news. That means that, and and by the way, the same thing is said in Malachi. It says there, God was at war with Esau from generation to generation. You and I are going to fight this flesh forever and ever on this earth. That's good to know that. Don't think it's to be gone. But always remember, it will be gone. One day, it will be gone. So I close with this. So tell me, what happens? What happens when somebody hurts you so deeply that you are so bitter, you are hurting inside so bad, you want to get back, you are so angry, you want to get revenge? How would you go about handling that? What happens tomorrow if you lose your job? You see no hope for another job. Income looks like it's stopped. You're not going to have enough money. And anxiety grips you so hard you can, you can hardly breathe. How are you going to handle that? I know you're going to fight. You're going to fight in a natural way? You're going to fight in a supernatural way. When that time comes, will the mountain be in view or just the battlefield? 
Will you have any concept of appropriating the power of God's spirit in your life to fight that battle? That's what we're going to be learning how to do. At this point, I simply say, remember, it's dependence upon what God has done. We have our victory in Christ, and that's going to be the foundation for the teaching that you'll be getting, okay? Remember the mountain. Remember the mountain. Remember the mountain. You don't have to worry about remembering the battle. Just remember the mountain in the midst of the battle. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for granting us a mountain. We thank you for the reality that it was on a mountain that Jesus took to the cross. And now as he reigns with us, with him, as your children, he keeps his arms raised forever and power available to us at any moment we need. Grant us to be a people who fight in a supernatural way. And we thank you for Christ who makes that possible. I pray for those of us that are seeking answers to the faith of Christianity. May we see here how good you are and how worthwhile to seek after you. We ask all in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.